1: This week's episode of The Fade Wrap with D and Z, I am D, and we've got a great show for you tonight. The Warriors and Celtics are tied 1-1, heading to Boston. The Avalanche send the Oilers packing, and the Rangers fail to put away the lightning. But we'll begin today's show with some baseball. The New York Yankees are a Major League Best 39-15 despite starting center fielder Aaron Hicks only batting 217, Joey Gallo being out most of the season, Araldis Chapman being out. Does GM Brian Cashman need to do something about Gallo and Hicks, or can they cruise all the way to the World Series behind Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole? Z.
0: Well, first and foremost, this team is legit when it comes to pitching. Right? We've been saying wow, for years... This that's big from you. That's this big, is big coming from you. It is big. It's big coming from you. We, when, we, when we take into account stats across the board, right? First in quality... Uh, second in quality starts. First in whip. First in batting average against. First in ERA. Now, a lot of that comes from the bullpen, right? The stellar job that Clay Holmes has done. Like, Pittsburgh, like, a gift. Just gave the Yankees a a lovely gift in Clay Holmes. But, you know, Garrett Cole, I would argue that Garrett Cole's been probably the worst of the bunch. Right? J-Mo Tyone was pitching great. He took a perfect game the other day. Like, Garrett Cole took a a perfect game the next day. But he's been up and down. Nestor Cortez has been a revelation. Nestor the
1: molester.
0: uh, Oh, we'll get to Jim Cott later. Oh, we'll absolutely get the Jim caught later. But, you know, Nestor Cortez right now, like, I would say that like, he's on pace to start the All-Star game. Like, he's been that good this year. He's
1: an All-Star, Dave. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he is an All-Star. He's an All-Star. What more can you say? And then even Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery has been solid. I watched him the other day. We went to, with my school, we went to see him against Noah Syndergaard, and Noah Syndergaard promptly shit the bed, so uh, good job by Montgomery there. Amber Heard style. <laughs> Objection here, sir. But, you know, they're tr- they're solid offensively. You know, they, they have definitely, you know, they have put up a fair number of runs. They're, you know, middle in the pack of batting average. Again, batting average, as we know, is Nancy antiquated statistic, blah, blah, blah. But, Slot, uh, slugging percentage, second in the league at 425. A 321 on-base percentage, 258 runs scored, sixth in the league. The Mets are number one in, in the majors. So...
1: I like how you threw that in there. That's
0: what I do. But if you're looking at this, it, it is kind of miraculous to some in some instance, right? It, kind of Falefa has struggled, you know, trying to replace... Glover Torres, Glover Torres is finally kind of rounding back into form at second base. He's definitely d- rediscovered his power stroke. Donaldson, when he's not saying racist shit, has been kind of decent. Um, they got they're getting big contributions from Matt Carpenter. They just got Giancarlo Stanton back, but they're doing this without Joey. I mean, without Joey Gallo. <clears throat> without Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo. It, we were critical of the of it last year, and we're even more critical of it now. Joey Gallo is a liability. I get that he's defensively great, but the three true outcomes, he's only—he's not good. He's only good for two: strikeout, or and actually not even home run this year. He's good for one, which is a strikeout. Rizzo has uh, taken a step back this year, at least average-wise for now. I have no—I have no doubt that Rizzo is going to be there at the end. He's going to post same thing for Lemayhew. Um, I would argue that they need one or two more outfielders, and they need a catcher. You know, Higashioka and Trevino, you know, Trevino's done a great job, but how long can you rely on Jose Trevino to be, like, the backstop, right? He's 29, he's been around the block, you know, Gary Sanchez wasn't the answer. I'm not saying that Gary Sanchez was the answer, but they may need to go out and plug a hole you know by you know seeing what's available come deadline time if we look at the rotation you know severino we'll see you know i'm he's been pitching well as of late i need to see it all year long like is he going to fade down the stretch michael king has been great out of the bullpen is he going to fade down the stretch like we're They definitely need to add because you always need to add. You cannot coast with the roster that you have. And now with this Miguel Andujar thing, it makes you wonder what's going to happen come trade deadline and do the Yankees have a chip in Andujar that can get them a big-time bat or a big-time catcher or even uh, somebody to fortify that rotation so that they, they are loaded even more on playoff time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't understand how the Mets and the Yankees are in first place with the lineups that they're putting on the field every day. I just don't. I mean, but then again, when we look at this, the Twins are in first place in the AL Central. The team that we both said was giving up on this year is in first place. And they're right now, they're the only team in their division that's over 500. How about them apples? I want... Yeah, I mean, I went to a game a few weeks ago, and the first three batters were Rizzo, Judge, and Stanton. Like that's just, that's just ridiculous. Like, like, like Rizzo's your leadoff hitter. Mm-hmm. How does that work? But and some guy named Trevino was the catcher, and the center fielder was still looking for their first hit as a major leaguer. I kid you <laughs> not. The fir- this guy playing center field, it was in his tenth major league game, and had yet to get a hit. Aaron Hicks was playing left. He, he, he wasn't even playing center. The guy who doesn't have a career hit was playing center. I'm not, listen, I'm not sure how sustainable it is, but you're winning without these guys playing. So my whole thing is, is you don't need them, right? Even mm-hmm. Stanton, Stanton was hurt for like, what, the last two weeks. They still posted a good record the last 10 games put up here. They were 8-2 while Stanton was out. I mean, so if you're winning without Stanton, you're winning with a bullshit catcher, you're winning without your closer, you're winning without the left fielder that you went and got, then you're wasting money on these guys. Shouldn't you be trading these guys for prospects I'm not even talking about trading these guys for major league players that you could add into your lineup right now, but you're in a position of power right now, right? You have a chance to fortify your team for, what, the next 10 years by trading some of these guys that they're, you, just, you just don't need them. Like you said, they're leading the league in runs against. There's nobody within 50 of them. That's how good their pitching is. So it would behoove them to get ahead of this curve right now and either cut these guys or trade these guys.
0: The problem is you're selling low on both Hicks and Gallup. Like, at, what are you going to get? And on well, top of see, that... they're on top low. Of that, they're
1: on. low. They suck anyway.
0: Like, yeah, they suck. Yeah, but they suck and they get paid a lot of money. So the Yankees are going to have to either take 10 cents on the dollar and take, like, a 15-year... You know, 16-year-old prospect that they just signed at the Dominican League, you know, or they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to pay 75, 80% of that salary. Like, that's what the Yankees are going to do. They're going to have to... They're going to have to cut their losses. But when and,
1: but when push comes to shove, right, when push mm-hmm. comes to shove, can this team go toe-to-toe with Houston? Can this team go toe-to-toe with the Mets? Can this team go toe-to-toe with the Dodgers?
0: No, because am- they've proven they haven't done it, right. so they haven't been able to do it.
1: Exactly. My answer is no. My answer is no. When they face a good team in a seven-game series or even a five-game series, they're going to get ousted that's just my personal thing yeah you're you're slapping all these guys around I think they're beating the twins right now slap Baltimore Boston you Detroit know, your division yep. yeah sure makes sense Toronto Toronto might sneak up on you man like they're 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 seven games back but let me tell you they're one through nine are all ballers they're all you players
0: you can never sleep on Tampa Bay
1: you can't sleep on Tampa Bay and also who's only eight games out. Also, you know, Toronto doesn't, doesn't have the, 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 the pitchers and the arms, but, I mean, I think we both could look at the Yankees and say, man, you're one arm away from being done, right? You're, you're a Nestor Cortez or a Garrett Cole or uh, uh, Luis Severino away from being like everybody else.
0: Yeah, I mean, you definitely, your depth hasn't been tested yet. Right. And, we're, you know, that's the thing. Like, this right. is still early in the year. We just passed Memorial Day, the official quarter poll of the season. And the Yankees are definitely – kudos to the Yankees. You know, they're, they're playing way above where they should be right now with some of the, the names that they're running out there. Even at their bullpen, they're running out, you know, retread Miguel Castro. You know, they – but yeah, um, no, know.
1: they are there. But that's my whole thing is like I went to a game and I I I, wa- I don't watch them as regular as I, I usually do because I have uh, Hulu now. I stream, so I don't get mm-hmm. Yes Network. But you know when I do see them play if, when I go to their games, it's just like this is like okay, like this isn't the '98 Yankees, this isn't the '99 Yankees, this isn't the '2003 Yankees. Like yeah, these guys are winning games, but so are the fucking Twins. Mm-hmm. so are the Cleveland Guardians like their, their angels were 23 and 13 at one point like it doesn't to me it, it to me this is a, a, a very weird season where you know we don't other than the Dodgers the Yankees and the Mets we don't have a an identity right there's not a team out there that're like man watch out for these guys or you know they they could peak at the right time and off somebody right we we don't see that this year at least not yet
0: not yet i mean teams are gonna fall out of it like we know um you're gonna have players you know cincinnati may reconsider you know some offers on luis castillo you may have some guys you know changing changing uniforms Definitely. very soon very soon but you know what if you're a Yankee fan, and you're seeing the results based on what you have. You got you got to take pride in that. You definitely have to take pride in that because you know they're not. They don't have their A lineup every night, right. and they're still delivering the goods.
1: Sure, you can take pride in it, but understand that you cannot coast. Like, it's not. This isn't the '98 year or the '99 year where you're just gonna beat beat everybody's brains out. Like, they they need to make moves. They need to shore up some positions.
0: We love youth sports, not only do they get the kids out and active, but they teach the necessary skills of teamwork, sportsmanship, and fair play. One organization that we are proud to partner with is Austin AYSO Soccer. Their mission is to develop and deliver quality, player-centered youth soccer programs that promote a fun, fair, family environment where everyone is welcome and everyone plays. If you have a child between the ages of 4 and 18, registration for the Fall 2022 Spring 2023 season opens April 27th with an early bird special. Sign up before June 15th for only $175 per child. For more information, to sign up or to volunteer as a coach or referee, go to ayso201.org today. The more volunteers, the more children can enjoy the youth soccer experience with Austin AYSO. That's AYSO201.org. More soccer for more kids. AYSO201.org. Visa and MasterCard payments only. In
1: celebration of Pride Month, the Tampa Bay Rays had Pride Night last weekend. And all the players were scheduled to wear Pride color logos on their uniforms, but hold up! While some players had no issues with the colorful display, other other players refused to rock the logo, logo, citing religious or personal reasons. What do you think of the Rays' division in something as simple as Pride Night?
0: Well, we're looking at... Specifically pitchers Jason Adam, Jalen Beeks, Brooks Rayleigh, Jeffrey Springs And Ryan Thompson So it's not I mean it's 5 out of 26 guys So effectively It's like 20% of your team Because you only have 26 guys On your roster But you know That's definitely It's, it's definitely smelly You know it's definitely something that you know kind of reeks of homophobia and it really it just doesn't sit well especially you know we want to be you know a society of inclusion we want to be a society of diversity we want to you know wrap our arms around people and say that you matter and you belong and you have an instance like this where you know they're citing religious reasons for that reason the the reason why they didn't wear the pride logo and that you know basically like oh we we don't condone that but you know we completely understand your lifestyle we just don't condone dude shut up yeah like you just shut up and jack flarity of the of the St. Louis Cardinals actually tweeted effectively that it's just complete, complete on a completely unacceptable that you, you can't be tolerant for a night, just one night. We're not saying you wear it all the time. We're not saying you're changing the race colors to the rainbow for the pride flag. It's one night. You can suck it up for a night and you may not even pitch on said night. Suck it up.
1: Right. It's not, it's also, it's not a reflection of your views no one's no one's looking down on you for what you're doing it's it's like you said it's about inclusion and celebrating a night like no one's asking you to put like a you know a, a choking baby on your on your uh your armpit or your arm or whatever it you know you're making this out to more than it needs to be and i even think in one quote he talked about the bible and you know, not, and that's, that's just, come on, dude, like, there's incest in the Bible, there's a lot of things that happen in the Bible that, you know, is not supported every day, and we're not asking you to come out and say anything, it's just a matter of, you know, put it on your, put it on your jersey, who gives a crap, like, would you not wear a red ribbon, like, how far does this go, you know, and it, but it was all about the fans that night, it was all about the people that were coming into attendance, and there was no harm going to be done in it. No one's asking you to make a donation. No one's going to question you about it. You're not going to be brought up on the altar when you go to church on Sunday. I just thought I just thought the reasoning behind it and the excuses that were given were a little ridiculous. And I actually have a problem with the raises as an organization as well. Because if everybody wasn't on board with it, then you shouldn't have done it. You know what I mean? Like, you should have took the temperature of the room because maybe it's not dividing your locker room but it's definitely dividing people's opinion and views of the rings like i feel differently about those players now because of the way they act in the circumstance and i didn't because it's just a baseball i shouldn't because it's a baseball game you know it's not a it's not a political it's, it's not a political forum it's not it's not a it's not an area where we're bringing something up for debate you're throwing something on your uniform, like I don't agree with Nike's fucking workplace practices. That doesn't mean I don't have a Nike logo on my T-shirt.
0: No, it's a hundred percent true, but at the same time, like we understand, and they were even in agreement that it's something that you know it, it's important. Diversity and inclusion is important. But here's the direct quote from Jason Adam, because ultimately we all said. What we want is them to know that all are welcome and loved here. But when we put it on our bodies, I think a lot of guys decided that it's just a lifestyle that maybe, not that they look down on anybody or think differently, it's just that maybe we don't want to encourage it if we believe in Jesus who encouraged us to live a lifestyle that would abstain from that behavior. It's not judgmental. It's not looking down. It's just what we believe the lifestyle he's encouraged us to live for our good, not, not to withhold. But again, We love these men and women. We care about them. And we want them to feel safe and welcome here. Then wear the fucking... Wear the logo and shut up! Like, plain and simple. Wear the logo and shut up. Right, and like, how
1: does it... Like, you don't know the... You don't know what's going on in your locker room. Like, you don't know the personal effects of all your teammates. Maybe they have a brother that is, you know is gay or maybe they have a sister that's a lesbian how do you think that makes them feel to know that that's how you look at the situation like you got to take the temperature of the room it's bigger than you dude it's bigger than you and it's bigger than your religious beliefs you know whether you like it or not you're a professional athlete and you're on a platform and when you do things like that you know it 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 just it just changes public perception
0: right and this is where a michael sam or a you know um a call a Carl Nassib or you know uh Billy Bean this is why guys stay in the closet because idiots like this who you know oh we we love you we love you we love you but we can't support your lifestyle it's just like dude you know like you said read the room like if, yeah. bro- if you're if you're a base, if we are a team if you're my brother then you're my brother regardless right. of whether I'm gay or not right. and it's just it's you know, inco- it's conscionable Unconscionable at this point in uh, unconscionable I should say, at this point in time. Like how far we've come, it shows you that we really haven't come that far at all.
1: No, no, and like like I said, I don't think you really understood. Like there are kids in the stand, there there are kids watching on TV, and you doing this, you maybe sho- you maybe hurt them a little bit like maybe they're not going to come out now because they don't see that support from the people around them. And again, it's a baseball game. It's a baseball game. You you could you could take that jersey off tomorrow and never wear it again. But for you to make it make an event out of it and bring this bogus like reasoning behind it, it's just absurd. Like it's just absurd. Avoid messy accidents. Get better stopping power with your brake pads. Callahan brake pads. You never know when you'll be driving in the road and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto. We really care about what's under your hood. But uh, moving on, the NBA Finals are tied 1-1 with Game 3 in Boston. Boston scheduled for tomorrow night. Can we expect a blowout like we saw in game two or a more contested game like we saw in game one?
0: Well, is Clay going to shoot four from 19 again? <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> that's right. all. That's my question. That's all. Like, is, right. is Steph going to shoot nine for 21? But if the, These are the things. You live by the three, you die by the three. And you live by the, the jump shooting, you die by the jump shooting and the warriors you know have been inconsistent which is what we were thought would happen so you know kudos to you know let's give credit where credit is due you know you're listening to ESPN talking about like oh how does clay thompson get back on track clay thompson is being guarded by good defensive players give some credit now clay a shooter needs to keep shooting like, that's, that's how a shooter gets out of a slump. You keep shooting. So that's definitely the thing. Now, I don't expect... I don't expect blowouts. I mean, I, I don't, you know... The Game 1 result was a little bit of anomaly. So I, I think that in order for Boston to take control of this series, they definitely need to muck it up a little bit, and they need to make sure that they are contesting every shot. And they're really getting out there and driving that point home. Because if the Warriors get rolling, if the Warriors get hot, like we know, they cannot be stopped. Now, that starts with, you know, that starts with Clay. Like, Clay is the one that really is, you know, looking problematic right now. I mean, Andrew Wiggins, again, 33% from the field. Like, you need more. You need more from these guys. And, you know, they're going up against a stout defensive team. Like, this is, you know, it wasn't going to be easy. And I would agree with the assessment that this is actually one of the lesser talented warrior teams. So, they're going to need to overcome that. And at the same time, they need to neutralize Tatum. They need to neutralize Brown. They need to neutralize Smart. and Al Horford. Al Horford, another one. You, you, you have to get in and make sure that you are taking care of business on both ends. And that's the only way you're gonna get a more contested game.
1: Yeah, I mean, at some point Clay Thompson is gonna start knocking down shots, right? You know, mm-hmm. shoot or shoot. I think he, he said in the press conference he's gonna go look it back at the game six YouTube for Clay. You know, game six clay youtube i guess uh he he went off in a game six at some time. he's gonna go look, <laughs> look back at that video so I think over his career he's averaging like 30 points a game in game sixes for some odd reason but you know boston doesn't have the firepower to like outscore the warriors in four out of seven games I still think the Celtics win the series, but I think Golden State is ready to erupt for a shootout in Game Three or a lights out situation. Um, you know, Clay is at his best when he's a rhythm shooter. You know, and that's setting up uh, that's setting him up to come off the ball and and fire away. You know, his game isn't really like dribbling, creating his own shot, going no. to the basket. Like that's not his strong point. His strong point is getting set up as a shooter. And just knocking him down, especially now that you know he's uh he's what almost two season in two season ending injuries he had. You know, he, there's I love Clay and I love his game. If I could come back in another life, I want to be come back as Clay Thompson and his ability to shoot. But his mobility is is not what it was. You know, so he needs to get a shot off. But I like what they're doing. I like what the Warriors did. They came out and they were shooting. Boston's got to play defense. They got to lock it up, and they were doing a good job. They're doing. You're right, though. They're doing a good job of locking Clay Thompson down.
0: Well, the thing is, is now Steve Kerr. This is a series of adjustments. Steve Kerr has to turn around, see what Ime is doing defensively, and he has to scheme a way to get Clay Thompson open. Now, right. is that using Steph as a decoy in some? Uh- you know, on some occasions is that, you know, kind of playing off of Andrew Wiggins, right? Are you, you know, doing more dribble drive, like dribble kick? Like, you have to come up with a way to draw the defense in so that Clay can have an, a, an uncontested shot. And that's the thing. Like, if you have a hand in your face, it's less likely that you're going to make the shot. You know, unless you're Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. So, like, the but that's the caliber of shooter that you're dealing with right now you need to find a way to get him his looks and you know steve kerr is a competent coach he's one of the better coaches in the league and you know he will definitely be able to make that happen do you love brownies of course you love brownies but you know what's better than a brownie A delicious handcrafted gourmet brownie delivered right to your doorstep that's what our guys at sweet life brownie co offer chef Tommy D and the crew offer a dozen delicious delights that you will crave from the classic OB to Dutch apple to campfire s'mores and many more check out their website sweetlifebrownieco.com for their Friday brownie drops at noon their site goes live and you see what they're making since you're there, become a site member and earn points. You earn 50 points just by signing up. Make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook too at Life Brownie underscore co for the latest updates and their latest releases and creations. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com. Give them a call, 845-641-3043 and tell them D&Z sent you. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com 845-641-3043. Sweet Life Brownie Cup because there's always room for a brownie. But speaking of making it happen, the Colorado Avalanche for the first time in 21 years are going to the Stanley Cup Finals. They destroy the Edmonton Oilers, sweeping them right out the playoffs. Coming back, coming back, from a 3-1 deficit to take the game to overtime, at which point they were able to put it away. Arturi Lekkanen. Remember the name, folks. Arturi Lekkanen. Scoring the game, winning series-ending goal. Dreisaitl and McDavid were neutralized for most of the series, and the Avalanche were able to outscore them. 22 to 13 in the series. 22 to 13, which is amazing, considering the fact that you know McDavid and Drysaddle are as good as they are. Are the Edmonton Oilers going to get back to the Western Conference Finals next year?
1: You know, uh, they should feel they should feel good that. They got to the finals as a five-seed, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. but they should also feel pretty bad about the way they played the last three games. Uh, Games, uh, especially game four, where they were winning most of the game. They lost it in the third period, and then they lost it in overtime. You know, nobody wins alone, and the better team won this series. Edmonton might have had the two best players, but the Avalanche as a group played so well together. They were never down and out. The Oilers played with a special urgency in Game 4, but they need to play with that urgency all series, and they just didn't, you know? They were quick to the puck, quick to the boards. they were. You could tell it. They, they knew what was on the line last night, but it was too late. It was too late. So I think they're still a player or two away from, you know, getting to a, a, a Western Conference Finals and getting to a Stanley Cup, but one thing was clear to me in watching this series is that as good as McDavid is, he's no Gretzky. He's no Lemieux. He's no Messier.
0: This team is very top-heavy. All right? it's a heavy reliance on its top six. You're looking at, you know, Zach Hyman. You have Drysyle. You have McDavid. Uh, Nugent Hopkins. Like that's. Kind of it, you know, Zach Cassian chipped in with a goal. Keith, is Duncan Keith's on their team, or no? Duncan Keith is on the team. That well, that is kind of to me like that is an issue right there. You have Evan Bouchard, you have Cody CeCe, Tyson Barry. See,
1: I thought he played well, I thought he played well in this, in, especially last night.
0: I mean, Duncan, Duncan Keith can give you a game. The problem is, is that he's been so beaten up his, in his career, you can't count on him to be a number one defenseman anymore. You have yeah. Chris Russell, Darnell Nurse. They have decent defensemen. They definitely need to clean it up. They need to get, you know, more talented players, uh, specifically in the bottom six of this roster, because it really can't be McDavid and a bunch of other guys and Mike Smith. They need to upgrade in goal. Yeah. They they need to need he to He shit the bed to. last
1: night. He shit the bed. He it was at the moment when you could tell the moment was too big for him. Yeah. I hate to say that about the guy, but it really was. It even got too big for the Avalanche's goalie at one point, where I believe I believe the Avalanche went up four three, and then he gave up the tying goal.
0: Right, you know? but Frank Francois has a reason. Francois is a backup. Like, yeah. he, has an, he has a valid reason. This would be if, if Louis Domingue was in, in the game, you know? Didn't they, like, change goalies at the start of the period? Or was I
1: just... Was
0: just was, i was just speaking that up. I don't know. Because well, Frank has been in since the injury. So, he... You know, he's been doing what he can do. And, you know, now he's got to... Now he's going to, you know, be the starting goaltender in the Stanley Cup Finals. But one thing that we do need to talk about is that they touched the Campbell Trophy. You're not supposed to do that. Do you believe in the curse of touching the the uh, conference final no, trophy? No, no, I don't believe in the curse. Really? Come on. No,
1: no, I'm not a I'm not a superstitious guy.
0: Not even uh, a little. Stitious? Not
1: even a little bit. Um, you know, I don't I don't worry about walking on the foul line when I walk onto a field, and I don't need to wipe my feet before I go on a basketball court. I'm, I'm I'm not about that lifestyle.
0: That's fair enough, but you know, it's enough of a, of a superstition in the sport that you already have people, you know, wondering whether or not, but honestly, it's not that that's going to be a deciding factor. It's going to be that they have to wait for the winner of the Rangers in the avalanche, right? Or the Rangers in the lightning, I should say, wrong natural disaster, but on the other side of the room, right? On the other side of the country, the Rangers were one period away from going up three zip on the Lightning. now the Lightning rallied it from two zip and they scored the go-ahead goal with 40 seconds left. Andre Palat with a great feed from Nikita Kucherov, tipped by Shesterkin but didn't get enough of it. And did the Rangers miss out on an opportunity to uh, make their way into the finals? I
1: was texting you during this game and man, I think Kucherov is so good. I literally think he's like one of the best players on both teams. Like that setup was just gorgeous. And I see Palazzo not even going to be able to play in tomorrow night's game or tonight's game because of a lower body injury, which is wild. Like this guy makes the game winning shot. And he can't even play tonight. Um, so uh, I'm going to say no. I think it all depends on what happens tonight. Uh, you know, yes, if they were able to win and you know the last game, if you have three nothing, you know, it pretty much would cement them to going to Stanley Cup finals. I mean, they definitely left the door open a little bit for the Lightning, but they have a real chance to slam it shut tonight if they could win tonight. Because I think if they win tonight, they go into game five at home, they're definitely winning it. Uh, you know, they they. The Rangers seem like a buzzsaw right now. Um, they they broke the Lightning's undefeated streak after a loss. The Lightning were 17-0 and 0 after a loss through the last, I don't know, cut, during their whole playoff run. Rangers broke that streak. They seem unafraid by them. They seem to be able to get it by, you know, um, the Tampa Bay goalie. And, you know, Igor Sherskin is... Playing, he's, he's, play, he's playing like the goalie he was during the regular season. There's nothing that's shown that he's a chip in that armor. I mean, yeah, they lost last night 3-2, but I mean, two nights ago 3-2, but you listen, that's nothing. That's nothing like what happened in the Pittsburgh series or, or anything that happened when they were playing the Hurricanes. So I'm not worried about the Rangers at all. I think they win tonight, and I think they're going to be going to the Stanley Cup Finals.
0: The home team has won in each of the contests. So we still have not had a series yet.
1: Series doesn't start until the road team wins, right?
0: Exactly. So we still have not seen that yet. The Rangers are playing the Lightning hard. They're playing physical. They're doing exactly the things that they need to do. What they need to do defensively is shut down Nikita Kucherov. Now, you can neutralize him with physical play.
1: Yeah.
0: You've been doing that. You you definitely can do that in the same vein that Sidney Crosby was neutralized. You have to make the other guys beat you, and that's what happened the other night. Andre Palat beat you. It's okay, you know, but you lost to the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. You didn't lose, you know, and it's one game. Nobody light their hair on fire. Nobody anoint the Tampa Bay Lightning as going back to the Stanley Cup Finals ESPN I am looking at you like Levy McDonough, Ray Ferraro Tony Kornheiser Michael Wilbon Fawn tripped over themselves to blow the light. like it is amazing to it's me the better,
1: well it's the better story it's the, the better bed- story right
0: no it's the better be- the better story is the team that has not won in 30 years no no
1: no yes. The better story is the three p because no one's done it since the islanders from what the 80s like that's the better story like yeah the rangers is a good story their original six team, they haven't won it since 94. And I would agree with the Rangers being the story. If you didn't have a team that was ready to win their third cup in a row, that, that just doesn't happen these days, especially in the days of free agency. Which astounding is, is that Marc Messier has correctly chosen every winner of every series so far in this finals. you believe that? He's 14 for 14. My man.
0: I, I believe that. I mean, and he, I can... he
1: picked the Rangers in seven.
0: So uh, who am I? Who am I to, to pick against Mess? And frankly, I'm not going to pick against Mess because I'm a Ranger fan. So like, I am hoping that Mess is right about that. But they need to keep, keep up with the physical play. Ryan Strome's injury is definitely going to be a problem. Kevin Rooney being inserted into the lineup is already a liability because he is the one who, you know, kind of lost sight on the first goal tonight. So he lost sight of Pat Maroon, didn't put a body on him. And he chipped one past Igor Shosturkin for the one nothing lead. Um, they definitely need to rely on that kid line. You know, if you want you have your Jads, you have your Criters, you have your, you your Panarin's, but the kid line you have Filip uh, Hedl, Alexei Lafreniere, Capo Kako. That line is humming. Just let them go. Young legs, they're hungry let them work the superstars will find their way in that's what happened in game one a few defensive lapses by the lightning left for a wide open opportunity and the Rangers capitalized on that so if the Rangers are able to you know make some breaks and capitalize on said breaks there is no reason why we can't have a Rangers Avalanche Stanley Cup final
1: well the, Pamp- the the you know the Tampa Bay lightning their style of play is so smooth sp- I feel like they don't waste time. Their passes are crisp. They understand. You can tell this team has been together. They, you know, they dump the puck well. And the one thing I did see the last three games, actually, is how the Rangers were able to get up. up, They were able to get up on the Lightning by quick passing them and finding open shots, which... Is the it seems to be the recipe for being the lightning is just being quicker, like not letting them get into their sets once they're in their sets. They're hard to they're hard to beat, and they kill penalties better than anybody, man. Like, it's just uh, it's it's unbelievable. It would be an unbelievable accomplishment for the Rangers to beat the Lightning to get to the Stanley
0: Cup. Well, they just took a you know the Lightning just took a two nothing lead as Kucherov just scored assisted by Palat. So Kucherov, we'll... he's so good, man.
1: He's so good. I, I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, he's, I I and he's only 28 years old. I thought he was much older than that. Like he's so damn good.
0: Well, I mean, he's a good player, but he can be beat and they the Rangers definitely need to make sure that they are staying physical, but not crossing the line. And that's something that's actually been a point of emphasis that, you know, the goalies have been uh, bumped a little bit on both sides. So, the you know, the refs need to make sure they're calling it. They're calling it consistently. Yeah, and I think they, they're
1: doing a good job. They're doing a solid job.
0: Eh, they missed the one where Shesterkin got a stick in the throat. Yeah, so, yeah, he's
1: been getting beat up a lot. And I think Gallant is, has said something to the supervisors and has said something to the refs because he does feel like they're in the crease a lot and they've been they've been banging him around. Sherskin seems to... Not nah, think so, he's fine with it, but he's paying attention to everything else that's going on in front of him and not necessarily paying attention to the people hitting him all around
0: him. So that's the thing though, you gotta you gotta play the game. If you're Igor Shosturkin and your your coach is trying to work the reps like in basketball, work the reps. Yeah. You gotta you gotta play the game.
1: Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. AirCare Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling, maintenance, and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians@gmail.com. at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, Licensed and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you.
0: There will be three New York Jets added to the Ring of Honor this year, right? Speaking of playing the game, Darrell Revis. Mr. Uh, I'm going to play games with my contract. I'm going to hold out. I know, trade me. I just want more money. Darrell Revis is the headliner of this class for your New York Jets Ring of Honor, along with Nick Mangold and DeBrickishaw Ferguson. So, personally for me, I think DeBrick and Mangold, fine. I have an issue with, I have a personal issue with Darrell Revis, but is this good for you, or is this too soon? As, mean, a loyal, uh, as a loyal as a loyal member of the flight crew.
1: Listen, when this first came out, I texted you immediately, and I thought it was a joke, I thought it was a gag, right? I mean, Revis has won Super Bowl. With the Patriots, and he had one season where he should have been defensive player of the year. I'll give him that, no doubt. In ten seasons, the Burkish Ferguson only made three Pro Bowls. So thirty percent of his career. So seventy percent of his career, he was just another guy. Nick Mangold, ten seasons, seven time pro bowler, three time all pro. Neither guy has neither guy has any chips, right? So I had a beef with it, and I was like, what, how, like, why, I don't get it. it, doesn't make any sense, right? But then, I took a look at the other players in the Jets' Ring of Honor. So in the Jets' Ring of Honor, they have 18 players. Okay. Of the 18 players, nine of them are champions, and five of them are Hall of Famers. So the Jets like to chuck it up to mediocrity, right? They're just, <laughs> they're like, it, it, just being, just telling you numbers, Right. To me, that's mediocrity, right? So, listen, a case can be made for Nick Mangold. I think there can. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Out of 10 years, you were a seven-time pro bowler, three-time all-pro, no chips. Okay. I mean, Matt, Mark Asano had the sack record. He had Marty Lyons part of the sack exchange. All right. You know, okay, we can put you in. But, man, uh, Revis, eh, Revis Island, yeah, defensive player, but dude, not Ferguson, and I love Ferguson, he's probably my favorite out of those three guys, he's my favorite person, as a person, nobody better, he's not a ring of honor guy, sorry, like, what happens when the Jets finally do win another Super Bowl, are you gonna put the whole team in the damn ring of honor, like, where, where do we cross the line? How come Jonathan Vilma's not in the Ring of Honor? He won a Super Bowl. He was an he was a pro bowler. I think he would some all pros. I mean am I, am I missing am I wrong? Like how are you gonna put a guy who won a Super Bowl for your rival in your pro in your Ring of Honor? How do you do that?
0: Well, based on what he did as a jet. It's based but on see, what he you did. can't
1: put like for then, instance
0: but no D, matter, D D D D yeah, it, yeah. It, by your standard, only yeah. Broadway Joe would be it.
1: That's, that's fine. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Right? He's got... He's he's the first person to ever make a guarantee and come through on it. Okay, but let's look at their Ring of Honor. It's... It, it's our... It, listen. Okay. Weeb Buebek, Yes. in he's a okay. Hall of Famer. Mark Asinoe. He has the sack record. Forget about Strahan. He's got the sack record. Okay. Fine. Then we got... Larry Grantham, Super Bowl winner. Winston Hill, Super Bowl winner. Joe Klecko, sack Exchange. Curtis Martin, Hall of Famer. Don Maynard, Hall of Famer. Joe Namath, ha, Joe Namath. All right, now it gets a little, what, Freeman McNeil? Right, Man. I mean, all right, I guess. I mean, All right. Uh, Gary Philbin, Super Bowl winner. Al Toon, uh, all right, I guess. Wesley Walker? Really? I love Wesley, but really? Mario Lyons, sack exchange. Wayne Corbett? All right, he's Mr. Jet, I guess. I mean, Leon Hess, Super Bowl winner. Emerson Boozer, Super Bowl winner. Mark Snell, Super Bowl winner. Kevin Mawai, Hall of Famer. So, so let me, so where are you putting to Ferguson on this list? Next to Kevin Mawai, the Hall of Famer? Next to the guys on the line that have Super Bowl rings, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like you're doing a discredit to the people that are already in your Ring of Honor by putting a man that only made three Pro Bowls. He made three Pro Bowls. I made more three. I made more Pro Bowls than him. play <laughs> <laughs> it down. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's all I'm trying to say is like you're discrediting your Ring of Honor. Like, like Jonathan Vilma doesn't get in. Chad Pennington doesn't get in. They're never going to get in. Why would they get in? They're not going to get in. Some would argue that Chad Pennington is more valuable than the dis- Brickashaw Ferguson was in their careers with the Jets.
0: No? Chad Pennington's the second greatest quarterback in Jets history.
1: And he ain't getting in. He's got nothing. He's, he, Z, he has nothing. He next, doesn't have, he, so doesn't have he, he doesn't have Pro Bowls. He doesn't have Pro Bowls. He doesn't he, he won comeback player of the year twice. That's yes. what he's got. He was drafted the same year as Tom Brady. That's it. That's all a man's got. He ain't ever getting in and he should get in. He's really good.
0: Right, well, based on this rationale, I mean who's gonna be next? Rex?
1: Uh I don't know, Mark Sanchez. Right.
0: <laughs> he, right went, you know, he went to three AMC start-
1: championship games, right?
0: You're going to start honoring those teams, right? You're going to, you know, the the last time the Jets were relevant and the last time they were any good.
1: Antonio Cromartie?
0: I mean, if Revis is in, Cromartie's got to be. LaDainian like,
1: Tomilson? Hmm,
0: Thomas Jones.
1: Thomas Jones, yeah, right? Thomas Jones was a good player for them. I think he had 1,000-yard seasons while he was there. Lavernius Coles?
0: If like, in, Coles is in. How, I would say how, Jericho Cotterie.
1: How could he not be in? Jericho Cotterie, yeah, how could how could you not put these guys in? This is the problem with this bullshit. So that's why, when I look at it, initially, I was like, this is a joke. If I wanted to, if you can make an argument for Nick Mangold, you can make an argument for DeRoe Rivas, DeBrickashaw Ferguson, I... I can't figure that out because, like I said, the problem becomes, like, when you do start winning again, when you do win a Super Bowl, what are you going to do with the guys that are on that team that got in? Let's see Zach Wilson wins two Super Bowls. Okay. Mm -hmm. He gets in, right? Then what about his offensive line, Makai Becton? He gets in with two Super Bowls, right? And where's he going? He goes next to DeBricka Shaw Ferguson, who made three Pro Bowls? Come on, man. That just doesn't make any sense. Who was the other guy we had? There was another guy we had that was really good. I think his name was Adrian Moore. He was a he was uh he, he was a lineman, um, and he was awesome. He played every position on the offensive line the years I was there.
0: We um, had a lot of guys like Brandon Moore. I think was his name. Was it Brandon, Brandon Moore? Yes,
1: Brandon Moore. Brandon Moore. What about Pete Kendall? Pete Kendall played every position. Another guy played every position on the offensive line. Alan Fanica was Hello? a Jet. Yeah, Alan Fanica Alan Fanica oh. was a Jet, does he not get in? Like where do we draw the line here? Like, I
0: think, he... it, so I think it. Anthony Beck. I think that's where we kind of draw the line Like I this is that's... a
1: situation where DeBrickashaw Ferguson, go get your jersey Retired at um, Your high school out in Long Island And and get into that Ring of Honor and that Hall of Fame and call it a day But no, you're not a Jets You're not a Jets Ring of Honor guy You're not a Jets Hall of Famer Unfortunately, you're just another guy that played left tackle for the New York Jets.
0: More or less. All right, boys and girls, here's how it goes. We have a statement, and it's either more likely or less likely that it's going to happen. Now, full disclosure, we were going to start a different way, but we had a little bit of breaking news on this one, so we have to alter it midstream. More likely or less likely, Joe Maddon will manage again in Major League Baseball.
1: Man, this all comes off because he just got fired. He started off the season 24-13. and he had the fifth best record in baseball then they lost 11 straight and i believe they lost 12 of their last 17 games something crazy like that now they have the 18th worst record in baseball i mean i think he will it's kind of odd that he didn't have more success with the angels but a lot of this is on the players like a lot of this is on mike trout anthony rendon those guys that just they just been playing awful um i could totally see him going to a team like seattle texas or oakland and making them a winner. He's a good coach, he's a a player's coach. He gets it, he's been around for a long time.
0: I'm gonna go more likely that he's he's going to get another shot just because he's got that ring. He is the guy that in accordance with Theo Epstein, he is the guy that broke the Chicago Cubs curse. So that opens doors for you. That definitely, it certainly opened the door to Artie Moreno, right? Because he was a be- he was the bench coach for Mike Socha when they won the World Series, so there was already a familiarity with the organization. But you have to put this on the players. I'm sorry. Just in the same way, I was in the, I, I argued that you can't put this on Joe Girardi. You cannot put this on Caden. At some point, the players need to play, especially with the caliber of players that you have on this roster Artie Moreno is not pinching pennies he's not the Oakland A's he just went out and he revamped that rotation right he brought in Noah Syndergaard he brought in Michael Lorenzen he traded for Rysel Iglesias a couple years ago to be their shutdown closer he stinks they brought in Aaron Loop from the (laughs) Mets he stinks he stinks so Aaron Luke had a .92 ERA last year for the Mets. I think it's like close to five now, I believe. I, it, you know, he ha- you're signing a guy at 34 off a career year. This is bound to happen. You bring in Anthony Rendon. This is what happens when you star hunt. You're now left with a situation where Mike Trout and a bunch of other guys, because if you look at the, ro- the roster right now, because Rendon is hurt, shocker. Anthony Rendon is hurt. I'm surprised Mike Trout's active, to be perfectly honest. You're looking at Brandon Marsh, Joe Adele, Juan Ligaris, Matt Duffy, Andrew Velasquez, Tyler Wade, Jared Walsh. Like, really? Like, that is not, you know, that's when you need your, that's not a, a great major league roster once that top layer of star players player is removed right go back to when Moreno first bought the team he threw a boatload of dough at Josh Hamilton and Albert Pujols how many how many wins did they get with that the last time they made the playoffs was 2014 and they promptly got knocked the fuck out so this is a failure of ownership this is a failure of the players and I think that you know that Joe Madden's going to get a better opportunity somewhere else, and he's going to be successful. Same thing with Joe Girardi. I think Girardi might get one last run. If Buck Showalter could get four runs as a major league manager, I think that both of these guys will get another shot. Now, my question to you is, who gets it first, Madden or Girardi? Madden. Mmm. Interesting. More or less. DeAndre Ayton will get traded this offseason.
1: The early reports are indicating that Phoenix is looking to deal them. Um, they're looking to get rid of their big guy. If you're a team like the Hornets, the 76ers, the Magic, or the Pelicans, you should give the Suns a call. Um, so I'm saying it's going to be more likely.
0: Well, it seems like they're moving in a different direction offensively. They They're definitely focusing more on Devin Booker and, you know, guard play. So, you know, he's averaging for his career 16 and 11. So solid, solid, not great. You know, 50, about 60% from the field, you know, solid. Now, you I mean, there are plenty of teams that are young and on the come that might want uh, a presence, a big man presence like DeAndre Ayton. The question is, do you have the necessary players? Do you have the necessary, you know, contracts to match up this kind of move? And Charlotte is very interesting, especially when we couple in our next topic. But I don't know about Charlotte. That one's going to be interesting. Um, New Orleans? New Orleans is an interesting, you know... It's interesting from the standpoint of what is going back to Phoenix. Now, do you really want to break up this team that seemed to gel and with CJ McCollum there? And are you comfortable adding Zion into that mix? Or maybe you just swap an Aiton for Zion, a one-for-one, one, and hope that the change of scenery does them good. I don't know if you do that. Philly, I don't know if Philly has the, I don't know if they have the the stomach for this, you know, Joel and Embiid, great, fine, whatever, but I think they have prioritized James Harden to the point where I don't think they're gonna make this move. But I mean, stranger things have happened, and DeAndre Ayton, he's definitely on the move. He, they, they definitely, he definitely seems to be. Uh, They definitely seem to have soured on him in Phoenix. And if I'm looking at them, if I'm looking at potential targets, definitely more Eastern Conference than Western Conference because I don't think Phoenix would want uh, him coming around and biting them in the ass. More or less, number three, Mike D'Antoni will be the next head coach of the Charlotte Hornets.
1: Yeah, the reports indicate Jordan is deciding between D'Antoni and Kenny Atkinson. I'm not fond of either candidate, but I'd like to see what D'Antoni could do with Lonzo Ball, especially since he had so much success with James Harden and Steve Nash. So I'm going to say more likely.
0: Well, we know from his style of play, he wants to get out. He wants to run and gun. He wants to get out fast, seven seconds or less. Can these guys actually do that? Do they have the stamina? Do they have the athleticism to make that happen? Because, if you're looking at the roster, right? You have Lamelo Ball, solid. Miles Bridges, good player. You have Montrez Harrell, okay. So you have some, you have some talent here. Gordon Hayward. Now, whether or not he stays is another, you know, another thing altogether. Kelly Oubre is there. So Terry Rozier. You have some guys who might be able to thrive in his offense. Kenny Atkinson is a teacher, right? And I think, I think. The teacher mindset has kind of soured in Charlotte because James Borrego was hired to be the teacher as well. And that only gets you so far. And it only got Kenny Atkinson so far. At some point, you need to transition from, all right, these guys are young. We're going to teach them to, it's time to turn the winning on. I don't know if they're necessarily ready for it, but they're, you know, LaMelo Ball in this offense, that could be really interesting just from the simple standpoint of, you know, speed. Like, speed kills, and that is what Mike D'Antoni brings to an offense. Defensively, you're getting nothing. Defensively, you know, he needs to bring in a defensive coordinator. And I think that's why J.B. Bickerstaff was there. So, ultimately, you know, you're going to be sacrificing a lot on one end of the court to optimize the other end of the court. And that's the reason, you know, that's primarily the reason why the Suns didn't win anything. You know, if we we, we like to talk about the seven seconds last we have to lionize Mike D'Antoni as a coach and as a visionary. But he hasn't won anything. You're looking at, you know, he's 672 career regular season wins. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. He also has 527 regular season losses, so it's we're gonna see. You know, we're we're gonna see what's gonna happen. I definitely agree with you that he's going to he's gonna get the nod over Kenny Atkinson, and they're gonna be entertaining. But I don't know if he's gonna take them over the hill and get them out of that play-in tournament. Cool. The Fade Store presents The Alleged Superstar of the Week Award Alright boys and girls You know what time it is It's is time for the Alleged Superstar of the Week We give our nominees, and then we put up a poll on our Twitter page, at FadeRouteDNZ. It's up for a week, and you vote, and you vote, and you vote, and you vote. We announce the winners on this here show. And do you know who took home the coveted ass trophy last week, Dave?
1: I'm not sure.
0: French security. <laughs> UEFA, you got some explaining to do. French security, you guys dropped the ball pepper spraying Liverpool fans and you screwed the pooch but that was last week this is this week who are your nominees for the alleged superstar of the week award, D first
1: up we got the Tampa Bay Rays players that refused to wear a rainbow colored logo on their jersey for pride night man you gotta own up and just appreciate the fans it's a larger situation than you second Of my alleged superstars of the week. We got Mike Trout. Supposedly the best player in baseball. Went 0 for 26 at one point during his team's 12 game losing streak. Getting his manager fired. Looks like you're going to be missing the playoffs again, Mike. Mike Trout, you are my alleged superstar of the week. And last and always least, Adam Silver. Reports are, you're considering making NBA first-team and second-team nominations positionless. That has to be one of the most ridiculous suggestions I have ever heard. This coming from the guy who's still trying to figure out how to incentivize his players to play more games. Adam Silver, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Z, what do you got?
0: First of all, can we make NBA commissioner positionless?
1: <laughs> Jeez. Are we, you kidding me? Just can, so people can get their bonuses?
0: Can we get rid of this, Muppet? This like, is ridiculous.
1: Dude, just because Joel Embiid did not his $4 million bonus? Come on, man. Come on. Joker won the MVP. That's why he's first team. Joel Embiid, your second team. End of story. What are we it. talking about here?
0: That is it, and that is all. But you know what? That's fine. Adam Silver Oh, man. I feel like my first alleged superstar nominee is starting to become a mainstay on here. And frankly, we may need to name the award after him Deshaun Watson. In total, according to a report, there are 66. 66. 66 affidavits that you paid or met with 66 women from his zombies, right? Now, some of them are named in these lawsuits. Some filed criminal complaints. Some were uh, affidavits on behalf of Watson, um, as gotten by Rusty Harden, his lawyer, who's an idiot unto himself, where he started to break down the nuances of a happy ending. But there will be no happy ending here. There will be no happy ending for Deshaun Watson. There will be no happy ending for Rusty Harden. There will be no happy ending for the NFL. There will be no happy ending for the Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Jim Cott, for stepping in it once again, referring to Yankees pitcher Nestor Cortez as Nestor the Molester, rather than his nickname of Nasty Nestor, about how he molests the strike zone. Like, I don't know where you're going with that, Kitty, but you're 83, and this is your second time in two years. You might need to. You you just might need to step away. (laughs) You got to change it up, man. You got to change it up. (laughs) You, You might just need to go in the airstream and just, you know, call it a career. Joey Gallo, for responding to a question... Regarding why he doesn't hit against the shift with, you know, fans wouldn't do it if they were up either. But why are you attacking the fans? Like, that you never win when you attack the fans, Joey. Never, ever, never, never, never. The Yankee fans don't like you. You apparently don't like being here. Just pull an Andujar and it has to be traded. Don't take on the fans. You will not win. Joey Gallo, you are my alleged superstar of the week. And while we're at it, Bryce Harper, for taking a shot at Joe Girardi on the way out. Joe Girardi might not be out if your elbow wasn't hurt and they didn't have to play Castellanos and these scrubs, these butchers, out in the outfield. So, zip your lip and play baseball. Bryce Harper, you are my alleged superstar of the week. I think we've made our cases, ladies and gentlemen, look for the poll and vote and vote and vote and vote and for our nominees just do better boys just do better Order up! All right, boys and girls, it's time for us to order up. Order up, order up. This week, we're continuing our jersey orders. And this week, we're doing our top five all-time baseball jerseys. From five to one, who you got, Dave?
1: All right, I'm going to start off with the classic, even though I hate it. It's iconic. I'm going with the Yankees home jersey. Uh, Yankees win all of their games because everyone is looking at the pinstripes. Christopher in and catch me if you can. White jerseys with the navy blue pinstripes. Navy blue interlocking NY over the heart. Navy blue numbers on the back and no name. Number four. Chicago Cubs home jersey. I got the Rizzo one. I love it. White with uh, blue pinstripes. Uh, Big red C over the heart uh, with a blue circle around it. Hot jersey. Number three. You might think it's weird, but I love it. Chicago White Sox. Road jersey. Gray jersey with the scripted Chicago on the front in black. Love it. Number two. Braves home jersey, white jersey, Braves across the front in red with the red tomahawk below the word Braves, and number one. I know you're gonna think it's weird, but I loved it when I had it. It's the San Francisco Giants road jersey, gray, San Francisco across the front in black letters with the orange outlining. I had the Tim Lincecum for a number of years, and then I flipped it, but that was mine. What do you got, Z?
0: Solid choices, all solid choices. I'm going retro with a few of them. Some of them that you know. Don't tell I've me got you
1: got the Astros on there.
0: Oh God, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm going mid '90s California Angels.
1: Okay, yeah. Angels
0: in the outfield. That one. That's nice. So Jersey. that is slick.
1: nice hat too. Nice hat. Yeah,
0: too. the C, the interlocking CA. That yeah. is beautiful. Whether it's the the home white or the road gray, yeah. that was slick. That's Both my number are five. Nice. Both both of them are great. Number four, I mean, the pinstripe, I mean, I have three, actually four tied with a pinstripe. Pretty much anything with a pinstripe is great. You know what? The Yankees are great. The White Sox are great. The Rockies are great. Like anything with a pinstripe is just like killer. But I really like of those, the remember the old Florida Marlins ones with the the F with the Marlin like coming out of it. And it's pinstripes. Yeah. Slick. That Slick. Cool I, I like that. was a pretty cool jersey. It was just so different from what they were doing. And I, I think that that, you know, stands out, you know, among the rest. Number three, the Milwaukee Brewers. Like the old, the, like the early 2000 ones, like the Jeff Jenkins era and the Jeremy Burnett era where they had like the, with the, the wheat and the script M And it was just classic, you know? Like, it makes you think of, like, Ben Sheets. And, like, it really takes you back to when the Brewers were, you know, a solid, solid team. And, you know, perennial contenders. And, you know, for some people, it even harkens back to when they were in the American League. I'm just saying. Number two. This is a tough one because they're both black jerseys. Now, which one do I like better do i like the mets to Alter- the older ones not the new ones the new the new one the blue is different it's a brighter blue i like the old one from like 2000 where it was like the darker blue or do i like do i prefer the white socks the white socks with the socks on the on the left side and then the white lettering on the all black i got to I have to say the Mets are number two. You know, then the Mets are definitely number two. It's a great jersey. I love it. I love the cap. I don't know what I did with it. I need to buy another one of those black caps. But for me, I like the White Sox. The White Sox black jersey. It's just slick. It's just, it's been great for years. They don't need to change a thing. And, you know, that Jack I just, McDowell jersey. Yes, Jack McDowell, Alex Fernandez, Wilson Alvarez, Frank Thomas, Robin Ventura, like that era. That Max, era, Max. Oh, magpipes. Yes, magpipes. Even Rock. Rock Reigns wore it. So, like, that jersey is as iconic in the American League as the Yankees. And uh, I just know the, the black jersey, like it just, it just is really slick.
1: This has been the Fade Route with D&Z. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You catch our podcast on Wednesday nights on Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, stay faded, everyone.
0: Time for us to run the Go route, but we'll talk to you next week.